Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're hanging in there. Starting the week off good. Um, Hope your weekend was full of lots of self-care. Tons of joy and pleasure wherever you could find it. And as always, lots and lots and lots of rest. we got a great show planned for you going to be talking about uh, how we're trying to get our needs met and working, 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 and all that screen time literally going from our multiple offices, our literal office in front of a computer, to our secondary office, the uh, couch, to watch another screen, the television, and then uh, how we fill in all those gaps with yet our third screen, the phone. So it's the phone, the TV, and our laptops as we're working, going to school. It's doing a number on our eyes. So we're going to talk about how to take care of our eyes, something that uh, we need to think about. And I, I learned a lot doing the research for that segment Things I've started implementing, and it, it uh, significant differences. So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about signs you might be falling out of love. Not always a bad thing. Sometimes it's good to recognize when a relationship is just not romantically there for you anymore. And uh, you can then slide on into friendship by working your way out like you worked your way in. We talk about all that, and of course, doing tons of DMs. Let's talk about some stuff in the news. Gotta love stuff like this. A Twitch streamer. Yep, if you're not familiar with what that is, go look it up. It's hard to explain. But uh, Twitch is a, is a uh, streaming site, we'll say. Uh, someone made ready $16,000. That's right. By filming himself sleeping. <laughs> That's the world we live in. Yep, set up a camera, get on Twitch, 16K, just for sleeping. He let viewers disturb him with loud noises. I know, I know. But this is what influencers are up to. God bless them. If this is the way you can make a living, have at it. You know what I mean? Uh, he enabled a text-to-speech recognition so viewers could play music and issue commands. Other sleep influencers uh, travel the world to sleep in luxurious locations, but not this guy. He just wants to make money. He just wants to make some money by laying there. I mean, my God, that's a, that's quite a side hustle or a primary hustle. Well done, innovation, innovation. Um, I love this. A dad throws a uh, party for his trans son to celebrate his transition. Beautiful. It's a Canadian father of two. This is what parenting's about: <clears throat> putting your feelings aside and being there for your child based on who they are and what they need, loving them based on their authenticity and through parties saying, let's celebrate this. What a beautiful thing for someone to step into their truth. We should always celebrate that whenever someone is stepping into their truth or, or really leading with honesty and joy. That's what parenting is about. Not getting caught up in your thoughts and feelings in that way, you know, centering the child's needs. I absolutely love that. Also sticking on a little bit of some LGBTQIA content, nine-year-old boy adorably asked Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg I, I will never be able to say his name. You know who ruined that permanently? Oprah. 
Oprah insisted on mispronouncing his name, and it is logged it in my head from jokingly saying it too often. Uh, basically, the nine-year-old asked for advice on coming out as gay, saying, uh, would you help me tell the world I'm gay too? I want to be brave like you. Now, that's adorable, but let's create a world where nine-year-olds, or anyone, doesn't have to come out because we don't assume everyone's straight. That's how we actually just get rid of the closet. The closet exists because we assume you're straight until told otherwise. Let's not do that. Let's just hold the door open until someone tells us who they are. Stop if seeing someone's gender and saying, assuming that it's the opposite of what you think their gender is that they're dating, you know? Say, do you have a partner? Uh, are you dating any boys or girls or anyone non-binary? Like, let's just keep it wide open. You know, people shouldn't have to come out of something. Let's just get rid of those structures. Paris, Perez Hilton, God bless them. Always up to something. It's interesting when I see his name in the news. I didn't know he was really newsworthy anymore. But he says he regrets bullying Britney Spears after previously wishing her dead. So let's do a learning lesson in that. Don't don't wish people dead. Not in your mind. Definitely not publicly. Uh, let's stop gossiping about the lives of individuals. That's not news or journalism. And that's why I really don't like celebrity news. I just think it's often gossip. Um, let's not use our downtime to uh, make other people's lives harder. You know, enjoy the work that celebrities put out there. And like really focus on what matters. Uh, but I can't imagine wishing someone dead. I don't know the backstory. Don't want to know the backstory. Uh, but that kind of stuff really bums me out. But yeah, that's the world we live in. Welcome. And uh, news, Anderson Cooper. I don't know how this came up. Oh, he was in an article talking about how he's co-parenting with his ex. Yes. If you have a child with someone, they're in your life forever. Uh, and they live together. And some people are confused by that. Why? That's family. Family comes in different configurations. I think people are shocked that one can leave a romantic relationship with someone and still love them and care for them and even live with them. It's a beautiful thing. As we date, we should be able to bring more people into our lives. They should be able to stay. Again, just because sex or romance isn't necessarily there compatibly or chemistry-wise, that doesn't mean we have to get rid of people. And I love this. I love that people are showing non-traditional families. They both share a child. They both love each other. They live together. Is it interesting? Sure. Strange, yes. Do they have to have better communication and boundaries? 100%. But they care about each other. And they'll each date and that person they're dating will lovingly, you know, also form a relationship with this other as well, which is what happens when we co-parent. I love examples like that. That is what it should look like. Giving the child what they need, creating the family that makes sense to us. And they enjoy each other, you know? And if you are in a loving, healthy relationship, there's no reason to worry about things like that. People get so hung up on that. Again, that's that toxic monogamy where we are trained to believe everything's a threat and to not feel comfortable with people being friends with their exes. But those are all signs of both mental and psychological social health that just because something throws us off or doesn't work for us, we can still honor and connect all the other parts of them that are there. Good stuff. All right, y'all, DMs. If you want to drop us a DM, do so on our Loveline IG page in the DMs, and you can uh, check out past episodes of Loveline by going to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, see my face, click on it, and there they are. We'll be back talking about the impact COVID has on your eyes. Definitely stick around for this one. I learned a lot, and I've been applying it. It's been helping, and uh, why it matters and what to do about it. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All righty, we're back. Talk about the impact COVID has on our eyes. It's interesting. When you think about being in school or at the office, um, I'm thinking about me being in my office. We don't have completely directed attention. What I mean by that is even though um, maybe we have directed attention in terms of consciousness, right, where we're listening to the person in front of us, usually in a general setting, we're able to orient our body in different ways we can move around. So I'm imagining myself sitting in my clinical office 
and I'm, I'm focused on and listening to what my client's talking about, but I'm in a chair <clears throat> and because they can see me, I'm able to look down as I'm thinking. I'm able to look away as I'm thinking. I'm able to uh, turn my seat. There's a lot of different levels of movement and reorientation, right? But now that we're doing a lot of schooling and working from home, <clears throat> when we're working on screen, we're using FaceTime, we're using Zoom, we're using Google Hangout, whatever it might be, we have to constantly stare straight ahead. And we're staring at a screen, we're not staring at an individual. And I, and I notice the distinction. My, my neck starts to hurt at the end of the day from having it positioned in one, one way all day for hours versus again in an office where you can lean back, lean forward, um, move around, shift. Some people in offices are often able to also maybe get up or move, but again, we're having this direct attention and it's at a screen. And so we have to be thinking about things like our eye health. So this is uh, research coming out of a couple different places. And I was looking at ways that we can avoid strain on our eyes. And I'm bringing it in because this is something that I'm hearing people talk about and I'm experiencing myself. So these are little reminders that I'm trying to kind of tuck away in my back pocket. We'll continue to talk about the impact on the rest of our systems. Um, at some point, I do want to talk about the impact on necks. I've, I've noticed that I have to adjust and change the height that my computer is sitting at. And I stack books sometimes so that it's higher, so that I'm not necessarily looking down. But even that has had an impact on my neck. So I'm kind of like giving it a break by going up and going down a little bit so that's not constantly locked in one position. So you have to translate some of this. This might not be directly accessible to you because you might, you might not be looking at a screen, but try to translate it. Maybe it's the posturing of your body. Maybe it's the workspace or environment, um, depending on the kind of work you do, but really pay attention to what are the components that are most repetitive or consistent, or where am I starting to feel pain or stiffness during or after? That's a sign that you might be overusing or stressing that, that part of your body that, again, based on how we're now showing up to hobby, socialization, or work is now changed. Bless it. So the first one, well, first let's look at some stats. So millions of people have upped their use of screens. It's pretty significant, right? We're staring at our laptops. So um, that's going to have an impact on our eyes, right? Because they're screens. It's not just the same as it is in the real world, but now on our computer. Like the complete process is different. Um, more than a third just under 40% um, said that their eyes had worsened. Now that's interesting, that our eyesight has gotten worse. I don't really know how to test that. I haven't necessarily noticed that. I'm one of those people where I'm often wearing my glasses and not wearing them throughout the day, so I'm really used to vision going up and down, so I don't know, but about 40% said that it's worsened. Another study uh, looked at it and it was about hitting down to about 30. So anyway, uh, if you've had persistent problems, please absolutely go see an optician. Um, but nonetheless, for the rest of us, there's something called the 20-20-20 rule. Never heard of this before. Um, and basically, it's about giving the eye muscles a break, which is also something we don't think about. I think we just assume that we're, you know, you can't overlook, <laughs> you know what I mean? That that's not something you have to worry about. We're, 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 I think a little more familiar with the overuse of other muscles that, you know, maybe speak up and tell us they're tired sooner, but you have to learn how to relax the eye muscles. This is fascinating. And apparently it's something that's easy to do. So we're all going to start doing this today. So essentially it's every 20 minutes and that's why it's the 20, 20, 20 rule. Every 20 minutes, look at something at least 20 feet away for about 20 seconds. 
supposedly that is part of relaxing the muscles. <laughs> it sounds like it, maybe it's the opposite, but I'm going to try that later today. Again, it's every 20 minutes, look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds. And I think that's mainly because screens are far closer. And in order to give them relaxation, you have them look at something that's distinct from what you've just been forcing them to do. Uh, so basically it stops your eye muscles from getting overworked and tired. So that's significant uh, because, again, the study says when we focus on a close object like a screen, tiny muscles inside the eyes, the ciliary muscles, ciliary, I don't know how to pronounce that, they contract. And the contraction changes the shape. Ready for this one? Here's the profound part. The contraction changes the shape of the lenses inside the eyes. <laughs> it's intense when they say it like that. It's like jogging. You wouldn't jog all day and all evening and then expect your muscles to cope. But that's what people are asking their eyes to do. And again, think about it, right? We're possibly working all day staring at our screens, and then in our downtime, what are we doing? We're stepping a couple feet over to our other office, the couch, right? Like that's our second office. And then we're staring at the television. So it is in it. And then in between, we're looking at our phones. I mean, really think about how much screen time total we get. I've reported on the fact that our phone will let you know how much screen time on the phone. That's horrifying. And then add to that screen time on a computer and then screen time on the TV. Mind boggling. Okay, we got to take a break. Um, actually, no, we don't. We, we have we still have another minute. Sorry, jumping the gun. But this is fascinating. We don't ever really take into account our eyes. Okay, so we've got the 20-20-20, and that actually makes sense. And I am going to try to apply that because you only have to look away for 20 seconds, which is a long time. So I'm going to have to do it between therapy sessions. <laughs> I don't know that I can just dedicate every 20 minutes staring off. But for those that can, try it. Let me know how that goes. It might improve your eye vision. Okay, the next one is blinking. And again, I just like to focus on our eyes. In, in my world, maybe I'll live in a different world. In my world, though, we don't talk a lot about eye health. It's basically, if you can't see, well, get glasses. Pfft, end of story. Maybe if you have some redness, use some eye drops. Okay, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about how to help our eye health. And again, this applies to everyone because we're looking at so many screens. For some of us, there really is very little break unless we're sleeping. And for those that aren't relating to the visual, how can you apply this to the other components or parts of your body that we're utilizing right now? All right, coming up, uh, we're going to continue to talk about how to look out for our eyes. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. And uh, talking about eye health, and I think what's been so... I don't know. I think one of the more meaningful things that's coming out of COVID, and this came out of a conversation I had with a colleague yesterday. We're just talking about the, for some of us, the refocus on our general health. You know, that definitely wasn't something that was occurring at the beginning. We were, we were just trying to kind of not get COVID. And I think at this point, for some of us, it's reoriented just the care we have for ourselves. I'm talking to a lot of people that are giving up drinking. Uh, they're going plant-based. They're falling in love with new forms of moving their body. And it's because we're just, we're spending more time with ourselves. I think that's part of it, right? We have less distractions and we're just with ourselves more. And so we're better able to just assess how do we feel? And I think it's bringing us back to basics. That's one of the things I'd love to have come out of this, but then also keep with us our basic levels of just focusing more on mental health and, and our physical health. So talking about eye health, which is something I've completely ignored for the duration of my life. I think like most of us, if you can't see well, you get glasses and that's kind of the end of it. And I've never really paid attention to how the use of our screens is impacting our, our, our eye health, but not just our eye health, but our ability to see well. And remember that ties to headaches, neck aches, other muscle strains, because if we're hurting, hurting our eyes, think about all the other body supportive muscles we're utilizing to 
keep ourselves stuck in these rigid positions for such long periods of time. So the first one we're talking about is the 20, 20, 20. Every 20 minutes, look 20 feet away for 20 seconds. And that's really gonna help the eye muscles because essentially you'll be using a different set. So you're giving the first set closer a break, right? Now we're talking about blinking. So this is fascinating. We're learning more than we ever thought we, we would about our eyes. So blinking is really important. You know, I think we're most, most of us are aware of that. It protects our eyes. It keeps them, you know, keeps them clean, but also keeps them moisturized. So basically the eyelids are like windshield wipers. <laughs> they clear away dust and dirt, wash the surface of the eye with tear fluid. Okay, cool. Also, uh, moisture. And without moisture, they become dry and that adds to blurriness. Okay, we're down for this so far. So here's the issue. Remember, when I say screens, we're talking computer for work, phone in your hand, and television as well. The problem is we blink less when we read from a screen. So sit with that. How much reading are you doing? Right? I mean, when we're on our phones, it's a lot of looking and reading. Some research suggests that more of our blinks are incomplete when using a screen time. So we're blinking less and we're possibly also blinking incompletely with the upper and lower eyelids failing to fully connect. Really sit with that for a second. So we're not even fully closing them. That can leave your eyes itchy, dry, and infection prone. So if you're someone, you're saying, my eyes have been hurting. I'm not seeing as well. This might be it. Screen time. So they say, stop working on your screen every once in a while and close your eyes completely. So it's a lot to think about. Every 20 minutes to stare 20 feet away for 20 seconds. Um, maybe right after that, add to it. Close your eyes completely for a while. I know. Look, I don't make the rules. <laughs> I'm struggling enough to drink eight glasses of water a day. That to me is like a second full-time job and it's exhausting. So now I'm worrying about my eye health, but this is the kind of thing that logs in my brain and is not going to leave me. So I will be thinking about this. Also sorting out your screen, the, the closeness or the distance of it really matters as well. So they say that your screen should be about an arm's length from your face. Okay. I think that's pretty reasonable and doable and getting the distance right helps with your eyes as well. If they're too close, they're overworking. If they're too far, you'll always struggle to see small details. Uh, they say use an external keyboard if you can as well. And then also the height of the screen. Too high, too low. Computer screen should be set at or slightly below eye level. Man, mine is not. And when I'm thinking about a lot of people's computers, they're not. They're down on a desk. And a desk is what? That's like stomach level, chest level. That is low. So really think about stacking them up on books. Hear that again. Computer screen should be set at or slightly below eye level. Looking up towards a screen can cause more dry eye and fatigue. Oh my God. Looking down too much can give you shoulder and neck problems. That's what I'm experiencing. Wow. Eye level or just below. That's really high. I mean, really sit there and look up. Darn. And then we talk about text size. Make sure you're adjusting the font. It's uh, not a good idea to work on a smartphone or tablet for long periods because the text is too small. I know some people, they're like, bam, 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 always banging it out on their phones. I prefer a laptop, probably for that. Also adjusting the brightness uh, so it matches the level of surrounding light. Another interesting, I never thought to do that. The surrounding light and the, the brightness of your laptop, have them match. Better for your eyes. Telling you, I'm telling you, I'm applying all of this. I'm, I kid you not. And then finally... Get outdoors, take a freaking break. <laughs> that's what they say. I think that that's really meaningful and important. Get outside, take a break. But again, I think we can apply this to anything we're doing, right? Whatever you're mainly doing throughout your day, even if it's just laying watching Netflix, give those muscles a rest. Sit up, go for a walk every, what is it, like every hour at least? 
time can drift, time can go by, but with all the use of the screens, these are things we have to talk about. We talk about all the time in relationship to good sleep hygiene, so you can sleep well and turn them off before you go to bed. Let's learn these things. Imagine if we move forward, really paying attention to all these different pieces. We'd feel so much better. And that's what's hard about mental health, is when someone's coming in talking about different mental health issues, sometimes they're tied to things like eye strain, neck strain, you know, body pain, things that can lead to a lower mood and vice versa. We'll keep talking about it. All right, coming up next, we're gonna be sliding into the DMs and then we're gonna be talking about subtle signs you might be falling out of love. Yep, listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back and I wanna tell you about a special event that Channel Q is doing. Channel Q along with radio.com we are presenting Project Fierce, which is a week-long series of programming that is dedicated to the important role of raising awareness and visibility of the steadily increasing number of discriminations and violence against black transgender women that'll be taking place all week. But most importantly, on Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., there'll be a big panel show with Angelica Ross. You all know Angelica one of the founders of Project Fierce, transgender rights advocate and film and television star, along with our own Ryan Mitchell. So again, check that out. That's this Thursday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And again, all week long. I love that we're doing that. That is how you work to dismantle those systems and problematic institutions. So please join us and check that out. But now, y'all, it is time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, tonight's DM says, hey, Dr. Chris. So last week, I was on a date with this man I've been talking to, Darren, but he didn't do anything for me. <laughs> but you know, this is about we're being open, right? And that's why I'm really proud of you. <laughs> oh, bless the honesty. Uh, you had gotten him a little cute gift to be sweet, but decided not to give it to him but you've been feeling guilty. You feel like you should maybe show up as yourself, but you're feeling embarrassed to realize you haven't been. It's a little bit of a vague question, but I like the general theme and topic, which is on dates, we should be dating to be known, not to be liked. And that means all parties should always be showing up as themselves. We cannot assess true compatibility and chemistry if we're selling a dream and falsely representing ourselves. A lot of people go on dates thinking, what should I wear to make them happy? What do I think I'd like that, you know, what do I think they'd like to see me in? Where do I think they'd like to go? And I always say, wear what you wear and go to the kind of places you go. You can amp it up as long as it's within the context of who you truly are. But don't completely falsely represent yourself because again, sometimes a successful date or successful dating is realizing we're not compatible. And that can only happen if our true self show up. So again, it's not about being liked, it's about being known and getting to know the other person. And that can be really, really difficult. You know, the more we like someone, right? Loneliness is also something that's been going on right now. It's also something that generally a lot of us might encounter. Romance affords us a lot, a companion, right? Someone to witness things with, someone to do things with, someone to expand our world, you know? It's a nice distraction, it brings us some joy. But again, we shouldn't pursue it at all costs to the point of changing who we are. And we see that in my office when people at some point start to show up with their true authenticity, right? They finally let their guard down and then a lot of conflict arises or they realize who is this person? You know, why was everything so much easier in the beginning? Well, it's easier in the beginning because we tend to, you know, lead from our best. But again, some people also, also falsely represent themselves. And so we want to make sure we're showing up as ourselves and letting the truth be known, right? Again, within the context of who you are, you can show up with your best, 
but you want to be honest. And that's why I love people that maybe are more casual and they'll say, Hey, uh, I'm not really the kind of get dressed up and go to dinner person. Uh, but I'd love to still do something special on our first date, our third date. Let's get a picnic and go to the beach. You know, whoever, whoever you are and what you tend to be really most drawn to inclined to want to do is the kind of date you want to set up, right? Back to your you know, exact question. If you're the kind of person that likes to bring gifts and uh, that's your love language, because again, love languages are about how do we like to give and receive love, but it's also about figuring out and finding out how our partners like to give and receive love so we can see it coming, right? But also get it in the ways that make sense to us. And if you're a gift giver, because you like to see people happy and that's one of the ways you communicate, I care for you, bring a gift. <clears throat> it's very old school and traditional. It's very sweet. And if someone feels like that's overwhelming or too fast or too soon, it's good to know that that's how you are and that's who you are and you might not be, again, compatible with them. I don't like people kind of watering down and holding back who they are just to be liked. It'll never serve us in any context of our life. (laughs) All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to be talking about falling out of love and dating apps because... The whole world is just one big dating app these days when we're talking about love, sex, and romance. Uh, Question of the Night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And if you have a DM for us, drop it on in the DMs on our IG page. And check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Coming up next, talking about falling out of love. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on radio.com. Alrighty, we're back. Talking about a heavy topic, when I said it, I kind of like felt the weight of it. I think because I've been there before. We're talking about signs that you might be falling out of love or your partner might be falling out of love. It's really heavy. It's kind of dark. It's not something we necessarily always have control over, although we can in some ways. And that's always the, the sticking point is some things are factors that are within our control, right? And we should try to control them. And then other times it's just the natural course of a relationship. You know, whenever I give these kinds of topics. I always like to start. Number one, we're always assessing ourselves first before we try to weaponize or uh, bring it to our partner. But we're also recognizing that, you know, a relationship not going on for a long period of time does not necessarily mean that it's a failure and it's not necessarily always a bad thing. So I want that to be the caveat to this, right? Is some relationships are only supposed to be short term because we, our lives change or we realize we're not as compatible as we thought we were. And that's okay. The success of a relationship is not determined by the length of its time. It's based on what kind of partner you were, you know, was it rooted in joy, love and care? Well then great. I hope you enjoyed that. Rough example, horrible example. Maybe it's like vacation. It's supposed to be a moment in time. And just because it's not forever, doesn't take away the time or value of it. We have to apply that to other things in our lives. Not every job is meant to be forever. Not every relationship, not every friendship, you know, and that's okay. Sometimes it's healthy that they end. Um, I had someone once try to shame it. I was all, I was, uh, part of a casting for a dating show and I was newly single. I'd come out of an engagement. And they were like, oh, well, that, I mean, that doesn't mean you understand relationships. And I said, oh, but it does. I knew it was time to leave. And a lot of people, you know, hobble forward in broken, toxic relationships because they think that it shows more health to still just be in one. And in fact, it shows the opposite. And that happens to a lot of people. And so please don't think that because someone's in a relationship that that's a healthier, good sign for a lot of us. Being single is actually a sign that we're great with relationships. We know when they're time to, when it's time to go and we take care of ourselves. It's such an odd way we move through the world and how we see relationships. Um, but this is a subtle sign of falling out of love. Now, remember, you can also do the inverse. If you're someone who's happily in something, you flip it. 
Let me hear through this segment, what are some things I want to make sure I focus on that are signs of falling in love or being in love or helping to create love? I talk about that with this first one all the time, the I and me versus we and us. You know, a good sign that you <clears throat> or your partner or partners are starting to build a, you know, a true attachment-based relationship. <sighs> They'll start to talk in terms of we and us. Um, healthy relationships are often a regressive fusion. They really are. We, we merge, we bond, we attach. You seek that. You know, we can't always even fight if we wanted to. Well, I guess we could, there's some ways, but we'll talk about that another day, how to make sure you don't actually fall in love and attach with someone you're with. But <clears throat> when it goes from a ween and us kind of perspective and, and languaging to an I and a me, when the person starts talking about their future, even this weekend or down the road, and it's very self-focused and doesn't seem to involve you, you know, that's a sign that someone's starting a psychological breakup. And that's important to know is that relationships typically don't end over a one-off event, although that can happen. Usually it's a slow build or it's a multitude of events that maybe weaken it or make someone less interested. And then maybe something happens that feels like the profound moment to leave or not. But these are all little foundational pieces. But when that unity or togetherness starts to weaken, and again, you can hear it in languaging, you can hear it in plan making. Uh, so a subtle sign that maybe it's breaking apart, or drifting or becoming less meaningful is when you start hearing more of I and me and less of we and us. That's why I tell people, if you're trying to work someone in, start talking about the us, you know, that you've created <clears throat> really meaningful, really valuable. Um, also another sign is, uh, and this is not a positive thing, right? When you start to focus most on the lacks, what is lacking? Because usually in a really good solid relationship, um, and I use those words, when you're in a healthy, solid, trusting relationship, we we accept whatever is lacking to be with that person. Every time we're with a person, anytime we make any choice, we're choosing a home, a job, um, a movie, a partner, it's to lose other options that were possible as well. And that's part of life. We have to choose. Um, even if you can see multiple movies and have multiple jobs and multiple partners, it's still about choice. Who you're gonna see when, and we can only see so many. And so it's about choice. But when you're only seeing the lack, what's missing to be with this person, it's possible you're falling out of love or they're falling out of love with you. Because again, in a good, healthy, strong relationship, we've accepted that because all that they do provide is so meaningful that we don't even care or notice the lack. We might not even feel it as lack. We'll use other words. We'll find it cute even, you know? It's not as meaningful. That's huge. That's really, really huge. So really sit with that one especially. Um, you know, you're comparing to, to exes, to what other friends have, or maybe what a potential new person could have. And that's that lack. You're so focused on that. Oh, well, I wish I had that. I, I, you know, I miss having, it's not a good sign. And these are some things that maybe if you're starting to feel this about your partner and you're thinking, but man, I really like what we have and I love them. Start trying to really unpack why you're focusing on some of these things. Next, um, you seem to just <clears throat> have less in common. And the thing is, you never had to have everything in common. You just had to have respect for those differences. You know, maybe your partner, let's say, is into video games, horror movies, and you're not. As long as you have respect for that, that that's what they like, and I like something else, and that's okay. Um, and you try to participate in it in whatever way you can. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, actually. I want to make sure uh, we get all this in. It's important, you know, because I really do believe that things don't surprise us or pop up out of the blue as much as we think they do. And if we really know what to look for, I think it can help us. So uh, take a break. Question of the night, as always, up on our Loveline IG back. But when we come back, we're going to talk about 
Some of the signs, often subtle, that maybe you or your partner's fallen out of love. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. We're talking about, yeah, it's a little heavy and dark, I know. Subtle signs might be falling out of love. Now remember, even if you're in a healthy, full, loving, committed relationship, here, here's still what we're talking about. And flip it and say, what are some things I want to make sure don't happen, right? What are some areas I want to weaken? What are some areas I want to strengthen? And for others, they're going to hear this and say, okay, maybe it's time. And remember, the success of a relationship is not about how long it lasts. It's about whether or not you are a kind, good partner and, and whether or not you realize when it's reached this point and you lovingly leave. Let's not wait till things are on fire to jump out. And then we have a lot of anger and resentment and we can't be friends. Let's leave on a high note. When things are going well, but we're realizing that this just isn't meant to be anymore and we lovingly leave and we lovingly work our way out and we can still maybe keep these people in our lives. That's the model. So we're talking finally about, you know, we're talking about the lack when you're focusing so much on what's lacking and you're comparing the past and future and others. Also when it goes from a me, I'm sorry, when it goes from a we and an us kind of languaging and perspective to an I and a me, that means they've started detaching because often people start working their way out maybe psychologically or socially, even physically long before the actual ending of a relationship. And so we can often feel that. And I advise you to speak up if you're feeling that. Say, hey, I've noticed these things are happening. Are you drifting? Are you wanting to end this? Can we talk about that? Are you open to working on this? Sometimes people aren't confident to bring it up or they might not even be aware. And that might have to fall on you. Be willing to do it. So we're talking about interests. You don't have to have a lot of common interests. You just have to have respect for them and a willingness to, to participate in some way, to ask about them, to talk about them. You don't necessarily need to go. That's why we have friends. Our friends can be a part of some of that. Uh, we do want some levels of compatibility, though. If it's not going to be the social stuff, hopefully it's the physical and the psychological and the political, ethical. And if it's not, you, you want to have at least a few of those. If you only have one level of compatibility, when that's struggling or lacking, you got a mess on your hands. And that's why I'd say you want at least a few, you know. And we've talked about what those levels are. We'll talk about that again. So interesting diverging, interest diverging when you're no longer really interested in participating. It's a problem. Um, another one is when you're feeling just like you're not getting your needs met. You're feeling unfulfilled. You know, we don't have to be in relationships. They're, they make us better. They're good for us psychologically. Uh, it's good to have companionship, co-regulation. But we don't have to be in one. We want, we, should, we want to if we want to. And so that means that although it's not about what can I get, because relationships aren't about getting, it should be about what kind of impact is it having on me? Is it making my life better and enhanced? Am I feeling loved and cared for and better? Or am I feeling worse, right? And if you're often feeling worse, that's not the point. You know, we should be made better because this person got brought in our lives and their life should be better because they brought us in. But if it's starting to just feel like this is neutral to feeling bad, eh, maybe there's something better for you out there, something that can actually enhance it. Why not, right? Another one. Resentment. It's one of the biggest, biggest ones, biggest red flags when they just have deep resentment. They just do. You know, the positive emotions just aren't there anymore. When they think of their partner or see their partner, they don't feel good. They start to feel bad. Their partner calling or being around them is immediately associated with feeling bad even before anything's said or done. A lot of relationship therapists even have a ratio, you know, track it for a day, track it for a week, track it for a month. Uh, in terms of positive, interactions to negative, it should be five to one, five positive feelings for every negative one. Sit with that. Otherwise, what are we doing? If it's the inverse where it's about five negative to everyone positive, why stay in that? You have to really ask yourself, what's that about? Just fear of being on my own. 
because at that point, this person's having a detrimental impact for you or vice versa. And that's not why we're doing this. And that's not a healthy relationship. <clears throat> really sit with that ratio. I, I would love for some people to make that their homework to go out and to try to track for a day or a week. And even if you're needing to do that, that's not a good sign. In my relationship, I don't even have to because I just always feel good when I think of or see this person. Um, differences start to feel really big and magnified. That's a real one, you know? When what, again, that lack, what, what isn't there, what separates us, what doesn't connect us just starts to feel more present. And it starts to feel huge and starts to be taking all the oxygen out of the room. That might be a sign you're falling out of love or already have. Again, these are things that we can call out, talk about, get into some couples therapy. It doesn't mean that we can or we're ever even meant to be together. Some people think because that chemistry is there that we were meant to be together. But when you look at the compatibility, AKA what it's like when they're just, their personalities come together and they're dealing with life events and issues, you see like, wow, you're just not compatible. It stinks due to your trauma, your triggers, your personality styles, just not compatible. I see it all the time in my office. They have a lot of chemistry you know, they're really attracted to each other. Maybe the sex is great, but their personalities and their ideals and their ethics just aren't compatible. And it leads to a lot of conflict and hurt feelings. Um, also boredom. And that's why we talk a lot about keeping it new and novel, going on date nights, just trying to remind each other and feel with each other excited and newness. Uh, but when boredom sets in, <clears throat> so start, you know, make sure you're always Keeping it interesting. Every night can't be a blockbuster night in our sweatpants. Even during the pandemic, we can still be going for walks, cooking dinner, playing games, still just trying to participate in something dynamic, right? You want to associate each other with some pleasure. Here's a huge one too. When one of them just doesn't want to change. Such a red flag. Can one person work on themselves and change that relational system? Possibly. But that's the biggest sign of mental health when someone says, I'm open to always talking about who I am, who you are, what we co-create, what our relationship needs, and they find that exciting. But someone that's like, I'm good, I'm good where I'm at, I like how things are, not a good sign. And here's the final one. This is like the, the death breath. When you've just stopped trying, you just don't care anymore. You're just two roommates, two random bodies floating around, and that doesn't have to be bad. It's okay to say, listen, We've fallen out of love or I've fallen out of love, but the, but the care is still there, you know, or I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And so we don't, we're not meant to be a romantic relational set and that's okay. Right. And so then become just roommates or just become friends. Cause that still is there maybe for you. Now, maybe no one's done anything. And as you heard in these examples, it's not necessarily someone's done anything hard or harsh or oppressive or bad to each other. It's just, we're not in love anymore. And let's call that out as opposed to being miserable or finding really problematic side solutions as a way to cope with what's lacking by finding it in others without consensually discussing, you know, just be friends. And that's how it should end. When they realize they're falling out of love, they don't wait for something bad to happen and they exit. There's some beauty in that. All right, y'all, question tonight up on our Love on IG page in the stories, and then we'll be closing out the show with some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, we're back. I love it when I'm spending my weekend. <clears throat> and I'm uh, just flipping through, looking at articles, reading stuff. And I find one of those ones that's like a real zinger. So dating apps, I'm telling everyone, be on them. A lot of people are lonely, they're bored, they need to connect, they want love, they want romance, you have to learn how to do it. And we, I talk a lot with my clients about their profiles. What are you putting in there? What are you leaving out? What are your pictures communicating? 
So wait for it. Cause that's one of the big things I say to them is sometimes we'll look at them together. I'll say, let's look at your pictures on your dating app, whatever the app is. And, and we'll talk about, is this you? Or more importantly, is this the part of you that you want to communicate and lead with? Because we're marketing ourselves on dating apps, right? And the images we choose actually speak a lot about our ethics, our values, our social lives. And people are always looking for signs of interest or compatibility. And so I thought this one was amazing. So a study was done looking at the impact on uh, a man posting a shirtless photo on dating apps. And the people posting them thought that it boosts their chances. But a huge study was done that said, quite the opposite, that posting shirtless photos works against you. So this is a study that came, uh, it was done by dating.com. And the headline is it found that shirtless pictures make it harder for men to get matches on dating apps. And there's a lot of cultural reasons why that is. People make a lot of assumptions about who that person is, what's important to them, what they go out and do in the world. And again, there's always, a dis- excuse me, there's always a distinction between is this person looking for, uh, is the person viewing the person with the shirtless photo? What are they looking for? Are they looking for sex? Are they looking for a relationship? Because we have separated out whether right or wrong, correct or, or incorrect, certain signifiers that we've decided means whether or not someone's looking for something serious. And so, you know, everyone gets to decide how much they participate in that. You can just say, I'm going to be myself. And if people want to misread what my pictures mean, that's on them. Or you have a little bit of a sense of what certain things communicate culturally, what they're symbols of. And you ask yourself if that's honest to who you are and what you're looking for. So the head lines are, wait for this, 90% of men, 90% feel that a shirtless photo could help them get more dates. But those men, the men who use shirtless photos on their dating apps actually get 25% less matches because they're not taking this seriously. And the, and the theory uh, says that this might be because more than half of the women, because this is a heterocentric study, as most studies are, so we can't apply this to any world outside of the cis-hetero world, so know that that's the caveat. Uh, and that's what most studies are. So when it doesn't say what their sexual orientation or their gender presentation is or gender identity, um, assume that they're white cis-hetero, which is unfortunate. I try to always call that out. We have to do better. Uh, And they say this might be because more than half of the women surveyed thought shirtless pictures are a sign of immaturity. More than half. So know that. Whether it is or it isn't, you get to decide if you want to align with that, participate in that. But if you post a shirtless photo, more than half people will think that you're immature, that you're not um, leading with the best values or whatever it is. So then they threw in a caveat. Love it. They did bring the queers in. All right. Queer men were four times more likely to use a shirtless photo than straight men. So I don't know how it went for them, but they're four times more likely than straight men. So it's normalized. So it's probably gonna benefit them a little bit more, but in the straight world, more than half of the women were like, ant ixnay. So these things matter. Some people say, why am I not getting matches or the right kind of matches or why are people you know, initiating uh, certain kinds of conversations with me? That's part of it. So think about that. Because that was that was a big deal to me when I'd say, you know, if someone always had what looked like alcohol in their hand and they're not a big drinker, we would talk about that. Like, is this communicating that that's what's important to you? Things like that matter. Um, look at this. 79% of women, so let's just say 80, said they wouldn't even consider dating a man with a shirtless selfie on their profile, 80%. So again, whether or not you agree with that, if you're trying to just get more matches because you are that interested in dating and meeting people, take off their shirtless pictures. Some of it I think is unfair. Um, Shirtlessness can't 
be tied to anything. Everyone's own experience of themselves and the shirtlessness is going to be different. For some people, it's them working on learning how to love their body. Um, for others, it's because they spend a lot of time maybe outdoors or in the sun in warmer climates. For others, it's because they are promoting that they have given into diet and gym culture and feel like that to look a certain way and want to find someone who values that others. They might think that it's going to raise their market value because people might perceive them as a better partner. I mean, there's so many different levels of meaning that come out of what we put out there symbolically. So in theory, we should ask, <laughs> Hey, I noticed that in all your photos are shirtless. I noticed in all your photos, there's alcohol. I noticed in all your photos are outdoors. Does that mean that you are, you know, blah, 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 blah. I wish we could ask. We don't have the time for that. I appreciate that. It's an app. Time is money in our capitalist culture, but these things matter. So it's like, that's the headline, right? Is maybe not as specific as shirtlessness, but just understanding that we have cultural norms, social norms, and that people will assume that you're participating in them and that it has the same meaning and value. And it can't, but that's part of getting our odds up is, you know, saying what, what am I promoting or what am I leading with in the key terms, key search terms I'm using and also pictures because people have to rely upon them because they have nothing else to go off of. I'll keep sharing these with you as I see them. I think this stuff is fascinating, but 80% were like, peace out on the short list. Um, I don't know, something to reconsider. Uh, DMs, they're always open. They're on our Loveline IG page. If you've got a question for us, drop it on in there, whatever you're wondering about, someone else's. And as always, if you want to check out past episodes, you can go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll on down, find Loveline, click on it, and they're all there. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Alrighty, we are back and I uh, want to make sure you are aware and we'll be checking out starting tonight a amazing, amazing week long of programming. And I love when we do that, focusing on raising awareness uh, about the discrimination against black transgender women who stat show have a lifetime expectancy of about 34 or 36. That is heartbreaking that because of your different identities, uh, and the way the world is set up with uh, oppression and violence and discrimination, that individuals do not live beyond the ages of 34, 36. So when we look at the numbers of murders and violence against trans individuals, it's heinous, but it's especially high among black transgender women. So we're going to be dedicating uh, some programming this week, all through the week. And most importantly, again, this Thursday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., uh, our own Ryan Mitchell will be joined by Angelica Ross, who is the founder of Project Fierce, the founder and creator. And uh, we will be having important conversations dialogue, and that will also include producer Anthony Preston of A2 Music Production, Productions to commemorate Black History Month through these important conversations and dialogues. So definitely be tuning in to Channel Q all week, and especially for the panel on Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's important stuff. You're going to learn a lot, and uh, it's work that we all have to do. So uh, tune in, check it out. And uh, time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, this one says, Hi, Dr. Chris. My name is Amanda. I've really been struggling with my weight during this pandemic. When it started, I was happy with my weight. Pandemic is what? Like, yeah, God, I don't even remember how long ago that started. It was well over a year. Uh, when it started, you were happy with your weight, and you were going out and feeling good. Weren't, weren't we all? out there living in the world, participating fully. It's amazing how much I've gotten really comfortable with the limited exposure and access we have. It's become too familiar. Uh, anyway, like uh, about four months ago, you say, I just felt like I gained so much weight and uh, so I stopped eating and now I feel too skinny. 
Is anyone else struggling with this? Well, you know, a few things. It's okay to gain weight. I wanna, I wanna just normalize that. That's gonna be part of our normal process because our bodies have a set point. There's a natural weight that our bodies are most comfortable at. And any attempt to lose weight is a form of body modification and it's not being body positive and it's forcing your body to look a certain way. Unless you have it tied to a truly, uh, a true medical health issue, we wanna learn to allow our bodies to be the weight that they are most comfortable being. Um, as long as we're moving our bodies and we're eating nutritious foods, then uh, you know we have to learn to love ourselves as we are. But yes, through pandemic, all people, most people have learned to have a new relationship to their bodies and to their psyches and to their moods and even to their relationships with those around them because things are different. Now, what will happen after all this remains to be seen. Law of human gravity, we usually go back to what's most familiar and what's easiest, right? So hopefully we picked up some new tips, tools, habits, uh, maybe not, we're gonna kind of see, but yeah, I think now more than ever is a beautiful time to learn to go into some acceptance, self-acceptance, and letting go of whatever expectations you have upon yourself. I want people to stop being aware and tracking their weight. Stop uh, weighing yourself, stop paying attention to that, stop looking at yourself, stop you know, really focusing on that. The work is about body neutrality, letting it be what it is, and focusing on all the other aspects that are really important to us, right? all the other things that bring joy to our lives, crowd out that bad with a lot of good. So if you're really focusing on your weight, check in with yourself. Uh, why do I have this downtime to be focusing on that? What else should I or could I be doing? What else is going on in my life that's making me really focus and attack myself? Is it because I don't feel good about myself in other ways and, and I'm trying to work with what I think I can control? Because that's also a part of it. You know, checking on the context of your life. Make sure you're getting rest. Make sure you're bringing joy and pleasure into your life. Make sure you're doing self-care. Make sure you're staying connected to people. And that's a way to kind of crowd out some of that bad thinking with good thinking. But yes, a lot of people are having to encounter their body differently because we're not maybe moving as much. Maybe we don't have access to the foods we like to eat or are most comfortable eating. We're not running around out in the world. It's part of life, part of life. Illness, disability, all sorts of things will happen that'll shift uh, our weight. And we have to allow that and not let our self-worth be so tied to our weight. We want to get it neutralized. It is what it is. You know, do what you need to do, and it is what it is. Um, I'm in that with you. We're all in that. That's what it's like to be human in our current culture. It's a bummer. I want us to be focusing in and centering, you know, other meaningful things. But it's kind of where we are. All right, y'all. That is our show. We'll be back tomorrow, and we're going to be talking about the important Sunday scaries. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about that amped up anxiety that can creep up at the end of the weekend when we know that week is coming. So what do we do about that? We're going to be talking about some tips and ways to manage that as well as de-escalation. Yep. Working on self-regulation. That is the tip to uh, keeping good, healthy relationships going. So y'all, you want to check out past episodes of Loveline? Do so by heading over to wearechannelq.com. Otherwise, y'all, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night.